Welcome to the podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network, produced by Story94, the podcast studio here in Oxford. My name is Mike Foster, a co-owner of OBCN, and our podcast aims to share the expertise, knowledge, and the experience of our members covering those key issues in your business. And for this episode, our guests are Jane Fright of Face to Face HR and Paul Hayward of Blake Morgan. And today we're going to be talking about all things HR and the latest hot topics. So welcome, Jane. Welcome, Paul. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, in the usual fashion from, a, I guess, networking, um, just to first of all kick off with introducing yourself. So, Jane, do you want to kick off first? Yeah, sure. I'm Jane Fryatt. Um, my business is called Face to Face HR, and I work with small business owners to help them stay on top of their HR issues and deal with any problems they have and hopefully help them look after their people. Fantastic. Thanks, Jane. Paul? I'm an employment lawyer, Blake Morgan. I cover a whole host of issues, really, from uh, recruitment, retention, all the way through to, unfortunately, court proceedings or restricted covenants in the High Court. So, a whole plethora of issues, really. Fantastic. I've known both of you for a long time, and I know uh, the listeners are going to get some great value out of the content from today. So, just to kick off then, what are the hot topics right now for HR? What's the big thing that you're talking to your clients about? I actually, I mean, it's quite funny, isn't it? Because it arose from TikTok, which is kind of alien to me. But I understand that it's a short videos with music and cooking and there's all host of dancing and things like that. But there's this craze called quiet quitting. I don't know if you've been mm-hmm. hearing about quiet quitting. And that's kind of whereby... Uh, an employee is stuck in their position where they're not getting feedback or praise, then the rises they're getting each year are minimal increments. They're not being pushed by their manager, they're not being developed by their manager, and almost they're not being invested in by the company. And it gets to the point where the employee says, do you know what, I've, I've had enough of this. I kind of check out and therefore they just coast. They don't take the step of quitting, but they will coast. And I think in the current climate with, because of COVID-19, it has changed the way we work. A lot more people are working from home. It's actually changed the dynamics somewhat. And it's very easy for employees to become disengaged. And now in the current market, I think, which has been intensified through the cost of living, it's put us in a position whereby employees are looking at the career trajectory they've got, are looking at their managers, are looking at what's happening in the workplace. And they're saying this isn't great, this isn't for me, I'm not going forward. And they're looking to see elsewhere and they know that their ex-colleagues or they know other other companies or their direct rivals are recruiting and there's much more pay there or there's much more advancement or there's much more of a chance. So I think it's a real, whilst it came through TikTok and everyone in the Daily Mail and Metro have been talking about quiet quitting and is it an issue, I think it has been an issue actually for the last 12 to 18 months. Because what COVID-19 has done is it's really explored the basis of management and it's all about communication. You've got managers that don't communicate with their teams, that will not talk to individual members that are at home three days a week. They won't just pick up the phone and speak to them on Teams or pick up the phone normally and ask how they are. If they ring them, it's work-related or it's to, to complain. It's, there's no kind of the interaction you'd get in the office and, and that's led to the kind of stem of being disengaged. I mean, what are you seeing with your clients? Are you seeing? Yeah, I think from my point of view, what I'm seeing is one of the things that's really facing businesses is how do they support their teams and their employees through this cost of living rise? And what should they do to help them to cope with, you know, increasing costs and um, you know, not but not contributing to inflation themselves, you know. So um, I'm seeing clients 
want to be more innovative about the package that they give their staff and what benefits they offer and maybe moving away from the traditional benefits that we might be thinking of, you know, life insurance or healthcare or I think healthcare has become very popular actually since COVID. A lot more companies I'm seeing, very small companies are wanting to give private medical healthcare to staff, which I've never seen in the past. But thinking about things like, can we pay for your broadband or can we give you Amazon Prime membership or just different ways of supporting people with their costs without just putting salaries up? Um, Because obviously they've got to pass that on then to their customers, which obviously creates more inflation. Um, So it's a real challenge. It's dangerous as well, isn't it? Because a lot of companies are doing one-off payments, Mm. which puts pressure. Say, for example, we're talking about competitors. Your competitor's doing a one-off payment, but actually what they don't look at is the effect that the one-off payment can have because your workforce isn't all just a certain demographic. Mm. So if I know a one-off payment can have a real issue on um, universal credit. Uh, It's not as simple as sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But a one-off payment actually can be really bad for someone who works part-time on universal credit, whereas spreading that one-off payment across the year in a pay rise wouldn't have such a detrimental effect. Uh, So that's a really difficult position. I think it's really fair that employers are having to be innovative in what they do now and they've got to look at their benefits package. They've got to look at what they're doing. And I know one of our clients even has just rolled out a taste card absolutely and paid for a year's membership on it and signposted the employees where they live to where they can go and yes it's they're still spending money uh, to go externally but they've been able to if they go on certain nights and whatever the the requirements are you get 50% off or 75% and it might give them that little bit of a break to maybe afford to go out for a meal and things like that and that's actually been really well received I was at a panel event recently and uh, one of the people on the panel saying it, they estimated that it cost their business between 20000 and 60000 depending on the salary of replacing a person that they lose. So mm-hmm. they're making more of an investment in these packages now rather than having to lose people or counteract on salary levels, which, as you say, is a, is a one-off. How do, you, how do you find your clients decide on perhaps the right benefits package? Because I've, I've seen it so many times where businesses put together the benefit package they think is right and it's probably what they want as business owners. But it actually, you know, again, the panel, one of the panel members was saying, he put something in place and 30% of his team actually used it. I think it was a gym membership, you know, and it's irrelevant to the majority. I was going to say the, the main thing, and you sort of you're alluding to it there, Mike, is to ask the team. I find, though, that for small businesses, putting together a flexible benefits package is really challenging. Like the providers just aren't there to deliver a platform that works for everybody. So that is a real challenge. So you're never going to please everyone. And obviously you've got a finite budget, but it's trying to understand, you know, what are people's priorities? If you can offer flexibility, if some people want to put it in the pension, some people want gym membership, as you say. You know, there are some packages out there where like gym membership, where you can you can use it in any gym. So, you know, it's sort of portable. And so, you know, the providers are responding to people not all working in the same office on one site. Um so there, there are sort of solutions out there, but yeah, I think asking the team. It's that, it's simple as that. And it's, it's communication, isn't it? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think the theme of all of these things, we're talking about HR issues, we could sit here and go through a number of them. It's all communication. And yeah. it is speaking to your team. And you're absolutely right, looking at gym membership, looking at things, but there's simple steps they can take. You've got people that are getting the train or getting the bus or parking and can't afford it. You could say to these people, um, we do salary sacrifice. We can look at doing it for a tr- season ticket 
for your bus or season ticket for your train. And that's hugely helpful to them because it's taken before they've been taxed. And a simple step like that actually might be really helpful to them and mean that they're a bit more comfortable and, and, and can change it. But it's about discussing these things with them and talking about what they need. And Jane's right, not one size fits all is not going to work. A gym might only work for 30% of people. Cycle to work scheme may only work for five out of 100 but it's about talk, it's about putting together a package to try and catch all of the demographic to try and help these people. And this is really important in recruitment as well, isn't it? In how you attract. You know, we I had um, someone say to me the other day, someone still had free tea and coffee on their job description or something like it was a benefit. You know, so and this it's a really tough market at the moment for getting good candidates, especially, I mean, I work with a lot of sort of tech firms and finding developers at a salary that a small business can afford is really, really challenging. And, you know, if you want somebody in every day and you're not providing a competitive benefits package, you've just got no hope in this market. You know, you've got to think more creatively and allow people to have flexibility around how they work and when they work and you know that's really important it's the value as well because more and more employees are looking at an employer and saying okay the pension seems okay the pay seems okay but what what's your actual position on the environment or what's your position socially within the community they want to work somewhere that that is cares about their carbon footprint or they want to work somewhere that has links to the community that supports charities and that's becoming more and more important and it's not just an added value kind of thing anymore it's it's almost it's coming forming part of the questions because i've had clients say that we're getting pushed on plastic we're getting pushed on carbon we're getting pushed on what our position is with regard to um car parking with regard to travel it, it just all these sort of factors are playing a real part now of the way we think and the way we are operating. Yeah, I remember a story you shared with me in the past about the carbon policy of, a, of one of your clients and etc. So uh, one, one thing I want to jump back to actually is this quiet quitting that you talk about because it, it does resonate with something that I'm seeing with my clients is that yes, there's challenges in recruitment. Yes, there's challenges in retention. But one of the biggest challenges I'm seeing with a lot of my clients is actually the productivity of their team. Mm. And that's probably linked a little bit to the quiet quitting you're talking about. Yeah. But there's also a nervousness. Um, so what I'm seeing is that before the pandemic, they had a, an output. The, during the pandemic, the output dropped because obviously it could because there wasn't so much work to do for a lot of businesses. But trying to get that productivity level back for a lot of my clients has been quite difficult. But they're finding it quite difficult to then push the productivity message because of obviously all the concerns now about work-life balance, mental health concerns, etc. Are you seeing that in, in your client bases? We're seeing certainly struggle with some uh, areas of our clients are that they're not they're not getting people back to the office as regularly as they want to or they're not pushing forward they feel that they're not doing the same kind of role they were previously three years ago um and i think if that does play into the quiet quitting in the sense that you've got an employee that previously may have worked past six o'clock or may have worked past five o'clock and done a lot more work uh, and now is five o'clock logging off every time and is taking their hour lunch and that may well be a work-life balance thing but it may well be that they're quite quitting essentially you need to track back and i think that the point there would be the communication the manager identifies there's a, a couple of themes here and they should they should speak to the employee and they should say i've looked at the figures i've looked at are you okay is everything all right are you happy with where you are and as part and parcel of that the manager should look at have they done a one-to-one -one recently have they got a career trajectory have they got a performance plan where are they with that and if has the employee raised any concerns because if the employees raised the concern that they're not happy with their two percent pay rate and they're aware that people at competitors have got 8% or 10%, then 
they are disillusioned there and that's going to be kicking into productivity and you are getting disengaged. So the employer's got two options, which I think has led to the quiet quitting is one of putting their head in the ground and ignoring it. And that person then, then will leave. Um, or of trying to address it because the main issue you've got if someone leaves you lose all that experience you lose all of that value and it like you say in a good way it might take three months to train them up and get them firing all guns but it could well take a year it could take two years and how much have you lost over those two years because you didn't want to address the pay point it's it's a really difficult position, but the signs are there, and I think it's about looking for them and communicating to them. Mm. And communications are you know, the big thing, isn't it? And yeah. I think sometimes I don't know how you see it, Jane, in terms of managers or business owners having those difficult conversations mm. and more actually avoiding those conversations. Mm. It's interesting just listening to you because I I'm not sure that I see it in the same way. You know, because. I, I'm just sort of wondering about this quiet quitting thing. I mean, I don't have a lot of my clients coming to me with that issue, I don't think. I think some of it might be how are we measuring people's productivity and is the way in which we're measuring it now post-COVID, have we adapted, you know, because if you've got certain KPIs, I don't know what those KPIs might be, but they might be quite um, related to how often somebody's in or or how much you see them or, you know, are they more tangible sort of input-based measures rather than what we want to be moving towards, which is like an output-based measure. And I don't know, I just wonder if there's something in that. The foundation of all of it is, is about trusting your, your staff and, um, you know, managers who struggled when people went remote working were managers who generally didn't trust their, their teams and they relied on seeing them and standing over them, even if that may be metaphorically, uh, you know, watching what they're doing and, and found that distance very uncomfortable. And, and the good managers haven't struggled with that because they manage their team based on on outputs and outcomes and that's what the KPI should be, I think, in this in this new world. And, you know, I'm a massive fan of the four-day week. And, you know, I think that if you get your KPIs right and you allow people more time off, they will be more productive. You know, that's been shown in plenty of studies and there's a massive study going on at the moment, you know, um, which will be great to see the results of that because I think... If, even if you just, I know when you, you when you think about it, you know, you're going to pay somebody 100% of their salary for doing 80% of the hours, but they will still achieve 100% of the work if you get that right. And they're able to design their work themselves and they're able to empower to decide when they want to be distracted, when they don't want to be distracted, you know, how they kind of manage their working day. I just think, if you're getting people who are saying that, I'm not saying that quiet quitting doesn't exist. Of course, it, it does. But I would just ask some of those questions around, well, how are they actually measuring that person? How What is their definition of productivity? I think with with the pandemic, it, you know, it changed business quite considerably, didn't it? And it did speed up that change quite mm. considerably. And I, and I remember running a mastermind group before the pandemic, and we talked about four-day weeks, unlimited holidays, working mm. from home, and everybody around the table went, oh, no, couldn't do that. You mm. know, it was, it was a change management set. But all those managers now, if I look at those people now, they're all managing remote teams and, and benefiting from that remoteness. No, Jane's right. I mean, we, COVID has identified bad managers. It really has. It's, it's put in the position that managers that aren't communicating, managers that aren't able to get their teams motivated and has to stand over them, they've really struggled. 
and they are struggling. And the four day week, obviously, I echo everything Jane said that the four day week is such a good thing. If you're if you're an employer that's offering a four day week compared to your competitors, that's a massive pull. It's huge, and you're gonna your retention. The they the pay rise may not be as big, but a four day week is huge compared to a five day. You're going to retain staff. You're going to attract staff. All of those things are right. And if you've got a good manager or a good set of management that can get the team right with the right output figures then they're going to go the right way and it's about managing it as well isn't it if you've those managers that are strong enough to have those conversations to say you're not performing and it might be quite a quit in there they may be disillusioned and then the manager will need to address that um or it could be the fact that they they just don't want to perform at the level they they were previously and the manager manager will need to take them either informally or formally through the process but the point is having a good manager that communicates that's alive to what's going on one thing I would say, I mean, we call it a difficult conversation, which sounds like scary. Um, actually, what, what we're talking about is being honest most of the time and being transparent and, and just having a normal conversation as opposed to avoiding an issue or, you know, making up in your head what you think's happening, but without even talking to the person, you know. So, but I think it's like anything, isn't it? It's a skill. And, and the more you do it, the better you are at it. So if there are people listening who are worrying about broaching an issue with a, a team member, I would say 99% of the time, once the manager goes into that conversation, they feel so much better, you know, and having the conversation, just going through it, it will lead to a benefit and, and better communication. Mm -hmm. And it just takes practice, you know, so just do it and, and have a framework. It's, it's, you know, you can look online for a framework for sort of structuring a because um, feedback is a horrible word as well. Nobody wants feedback, do they? We just want to ask people, how are things going? You know, what barriers are you are you um, experiencing? How can I support you? You know, do you want more support from me or less support from me? You know, all those kind of open questions. So I, I talk to a lot of my clients in terms of making sure they keep it factual and non-emotional because mm -hmm. I think sometimes they leave it too late and it becomes emotional mm -hmm. and then it, all the communication gets messed. What, what about any, any any other issues then you're seeing? Let's, uh, let's look at any other issues that you might be seeing with your client base or you're reading at the moment. We're seeing a, certainly a play now on long COVID is appearing in the workplace. I'd say um, certainly whilst the COVID rates are going down, uh, the long COVID rates certainly are going up, they're climbing. And I think uh, you've got things like fatigue, shortness of breath uh, that is really affecting people in the workplace and whilst working from home as well. So it is a factor that, that is apparent and employers need to be alive to that and they need to manage that again. It could well be that long COVID is going to be a disability. It could well be it's not. It's a, it's a shortness, but they need to manage that and be sympathetic to that. Uh, we're also seeing quite a lot as well at the moment of the people moving to competitors and having any restraints against them. For So, for example, solicitation where they're not allowed to go uh, near customers of their previous employer or even non-competition where they're not allowed to go to a competitor. We're seeing people testing those boundaries now and you track it back to why people are moving and it, it I guess it forms back to what we were talking about earlier that they're, they're not happy. They're not happy with the way the organisation is going. They're not happy with the pay. They're not happy with the way they've been asked to work. It's these kind of factors and there's a huge issue there because, of course, not only you've got the cost to the business itself of losing that employee, you've got the, the management time of dealing with that. And then you've got any associated costs on top, legal and business wise as well. It's all of those things are huge. Whereas if, you, if you're looking at your business inwards and, 
and trying to see if there's any patterns, trying to see if there's any issues and trying to deal with them. Like Jane says, no one wants feedback. No one wants to have those kind of conversations. But if you get in a bit earlier and you try and have those conversations, they and I think Jane's absolutely right that a manager will feel a lot better when they start having that conversation. The more they do it, the, the better they will feel about it and they'll be more open. And they can, if things do get emotional, they can signpost the employee to maybe the employer has a helpline that they can ring mm -hmm. in an employee assistance program or they might have mental health first aiders or if they don't have any of those things there's certainly services available like oxfordshire mind things like that there's there's places that can be signposted to, to help that employee and and then a relationship will grow it is a big area that i see as mental health generally and managers supporting their employees i mean covid has had a massive impact especially on young people on their kind of mental health and well-being generally. And I think sometimes managers aren't sure how much should they kind of pry into that? Is it crossing a boundary? And, you know, our work and our life, our outside of work life is so kind of muddled up now. And, you know, I think, again, it's about using the resources, like you've mentioned, Mind Mind have this wellness action plan, which is an amazing tool for managers to use. It just gives you a structure to actually have an open conversation about somebody's mental health and well-being. And it's really helpful, I think, for both the employee and the manager to go away and fill it out and then come back and kind of op open that question. Because, um, you know, we are much more open about it now than obviously we were even five, ten years ago. You know, it's, it's very different. Um, the other thing that I see which is quite interesting is um, companies who are expanding, looking beyond just the UK and having wanting to have staff in different jurisdictions and the challenge in that bring, challenge that brings for a small business in establishing an overseas entity or not going through what's known as an employer employer of record, um, whereby you know you can employ somebody overseas without having a um, a local entity so that I'm seeing more of you know obviously we've got particularly like I mentioned developers earlier you know there's developers in you know all over the world obviously and some amazing developers in places like Ukraine and South America or Australia and being able to tap into that kind of global workforce can be a, again a real differentiator for a small business. The really pleasing thing for me I think is that you know, historically, we see the corporates had a HR director and it was their role to make sure that the people consideration as part of the business strategy around the board was considered. I've seen it more into the smaller businesses now. It isn't just about the business strategy and about profits and productivity. It's about well, how does that impact on our people? How does that impact on whether it's their mental health, physical health? And, and how you can best support them through from that. We're coming to the end of today's podcast, but just from both of you, I wouldn't mind your sort of top tip for businesses out there in terms of from a HR or a people perspective, what would be, be your top tip? I think it's, I mean, we've kind of said it today, but it's definitely um, talk to your people and, and have regular one-to-ones. And, and you, I don't think you have enough one-to-ones. And people always ask me, well, what percentage of my time, you know, should I be spending on that? And that's quite hard to answer. But I mean, if it's not like 30, 40%, I think it's not enough. You know, you should be giving up your time to manage your people. That's how that's how you'll get things done and that's how you'll build a fantastic workplace. Brilliant. And Paul? I think I'd very much the same. I mean, even to, we were in our London office the other day and I understand that they did a special day whereby uh, they announced to the whole of the office, because our office is split, there'll be teams that work three or four days a week in the office, there'll be teams that work one day in the office and they'll pick and choose those days. And it is quite common now that teams won't see each other unless specifically you go in for a reason. You, uh, apart from on teams and so forth but i know that one 
one of the partners said, right, let's do something really special. Let's have a dedicated day. And they got in breakfast um, for a really nice breakfast establishment. I think I think it was somewhere in London that was quite posh. And they did a number of cakes, number of um, all sorts of options like fruit and things like that. And the pictures and the feedback has been incredible that everyone everyone came in for this day um, and because there was a fuss made, they stopped work and they went into this area where they could all just have breakfast and all just catch up and talk. And and actually that's, to pick back on the point, you've got people communicating that may not have seen each other for months, but the productivity there is huge because they're linking again, they're re-establishing a relationship in person. And I would say that if you are struggling to communicate with employees or you've got something, just try something, have like... Have a have like everyone bake something, bring it in a lunchtime, or have a coffee morning where you get some coffee and all some bread. Just a small step, and you say to everyone, right, for twenty minutes, everyone stop working, let's just go and talk and and get those kind of relationships and conversations going. Are you, are you noticing in when you're doing things like disciplinaries or grievances that that is a definite issue that people haven't seen each other physically? Like the the teams thing is quite often it. Um. I've noticed it when I'm when I'm d- dealing with those sorts of issues. If that the, the relationship has deteriorated because they haven't physically been in a room for so long, I think you can link it though with a relationship deteriorating. To if you've got a manager that just doesn't speak to that employee because they're not seeing them all the Regardless time. Regardless of whether Rega- it's online I think, or not. Yeah, I think I think I'm seeing that. Mm. I don't think you can associate it with teams. I think you're seeing a breakdown in a relationship because the bad managers aren't. Communicate. I think we'll probably have to end there, but that's yeah. <laughs> communication, top tip. Brilliant, love it. And uh, well, certainly something we're seeing in the Oxford Business Community Network is that once you get back in person events, mm. the communication and the relationship is totally different to when we used to do that on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you both for your time today. Thank you for sharing the the latest uh, news and views from the world of, of HR and, uh, as always, your, your expert contributions. Well, that does bring us to the end of uh, this podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Oxford Business Community Network. Thank you to our members for this episode who were Jane Fryer from Face to Face HR and Paul Hayward from Blake Morgan. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you again to Story94 for producing this podcast at their podcast studio here in Oxford. Please do subscribe to our podcast and we look forward to sharing even more with you very soon. <laughs>